guys, welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm Caitlin Adams, and this is where you'll hear sermons from me, Madison Lackey, Grant Giddens, and other guest speakers. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Let's go. That we are craving. What is it that... Um, that we are desiring. So we're starting a series tonight called The Good Life, and we're going to spend three weeks talking about the good life. What is the good life? What is it that people seem to be chasing? Um, So I did some research. Don't worry, guys. I figured this out for us. Did some research. I looked up the top billboard songs, read through the lyrics. I do not recommend doing that. I do not recommend doing that. Just for your parents, for the parents in the room, just I'm letting you know, like, that is not what I'm condoning tonight, okay? Don't do that. I did it for us, so I'll tell you the things that people are singing about, that are trending, that everybody else wants to maybe sing about. I don't know. These things that are super popular. Don't worry. They'll be super surprising to you. Um, sex and relationships, number one, every song. Uh, labels, um, money, stuff, cars, shopping, Rodeo Drive, all this big stuff, big cities. Um, experiences like wildlife, want to have this crazy experience, want to like, I think people think this, the good life, the things that we're chasing it, are exciting. A good life has to be exciting, has to be something crazy, has to be a good story, uh, and drugs. So there you go. This is a great um, time of reading and reflection. Um, No. Uh, But here's the deal. Spoiler alert. Those were the exact same things on the list for the top songs when I was in high school. And before that. And probably before that. Uh, Because these are the things that sell. These are the ideas. These are the the lyrics. The things that we, that people, this is what's trending. This is what I think the world believes is good and fun and cool and fulfilling. These are the things that we're going to continue to sing about and dance to and, and sell out arenas for. Um, we know, however, there are plenty of people, um, a lot of them, like artists who are on that list, who are, who are singing these songs, there are plenty of people who have all of that stuff or who have made it, who have gotten to the good life, right, who are miserable, like who are unfulfilled, who, who have all of these things that they are singing about wanting or whatever. Like we know that. Some of you have friends who, who you, like you would say they have everything they could want or need, um, and yet they're living on autopilot. Like some of your friends, you're like, you have plenty of whatever, friends, money, status, like you're the star on whatever team, or you have, a fa- maybe it's a friend who has just like a family who loves them and cares for them. And it's like, you have everything you could ever want. And yet you are unfulfilled or living on autopilot or just flat out just miserable sometimes, right? So we know the stuff, this list of things, isn't necessarily the good life. So if that is not the good life, if that's not the good stuff, then what is it? What is it that we feel like 
there's something in us that is, is yearning for. What is it that we know there's something that we're made for that's going to fulfill us? What is it? So when Jesus was teaching during his ministry here on earth, there was this day that he was explaining who he was to this crowd of people. And he's, he's telling them, I'm here to set humanity right before God. And he tells them in this moment, he tells them this, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes, he's telling them like, don't be fooled. Like the thief comes only for this purpose, steal, kill, destroy. This, there is a um, matter at work, there is a being at work to only steal, kill, and destroy from you. But I have come. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so what Jesus is saying is there is this juxtaposition. There is this opposing thing that's happening. There is this war at work in our world. As Jesus is speaking these words a couple thousand years ago, and now, today, a war for our hearts between these two things. There is a war at, at, at work. There is a war happening, fighting for your heart and your attention and your mind between these two things. The thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and full life in Christ. So we're going to talk about that. Um, if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 next. Um, a couple years later, Paul writes a letter. So he goes and he plants a church in Galatia, um, and he writes a letter back to this church, and he's talking about this exact same thing that Jesus was preaching on. He's, he's talking about this exact same thing. And so he tells, he tells this church in Galatia, he tells them what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to experience all these things that Jesus came to make possible for us. And, and then he starts, he, he says, he starts talking about what comes naturally to us and what we need to do about that. So we're in Galatians 5, 19. So he, this, is, this is Paul talking about what life looks like on autopilot. This is Paul talking about what life looks like if we just let it run away with us. If we just, if we just sit back and let something else do the driving for us. And I'm going to read it. I read it in the message version as I was preparing for this. And oh my word, it is crazy. So I'm going to read it from that because I think, so I don't know if y'all know about the message version of the Bible, of scripture. There's different versions of scripture. Um, typically I'll read from the NIV but, um, or the ESV, but there's a message version written by Eugene Peterson and it's really good. I, I would say it's more of a commentary than a translation because he doesn't translate word for word, but he uses these ideas and, and and thoughts that, that typically do really well matching up with scripture. So I would prefer to call it more of a commentary. But anyway, so the message version. So, so this is Eugene Peterson's translation of what Paul writes to this church in Galatia, okay, about living life on autopilot. Prepare your hearts. He says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. It's obvious. Like, this is what kind of life comes when you're trying to just live for yourself, when you're trying to get your own way all the time, right? And, like, maybe we're not going to claim that we're doing that, but, like, a lot of days I'm living my life for me. Okay. 
So it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, whoa, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, a vicious habit of depersonalizing everybody into a rival, everybody becomes competition, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, ugly things that are trying to act like real community but aren't. And he says, I could go on. This isn't the first time that I've warned you, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like this is, so, so this is how Paul is speaking. And he's not using these exact words, but the words, if you read it in the NIV or another version, these words that he's using are hitting the church in Galatia just like these words are hitting us right now. Like these are maybe a little more contemporary for us to understand. And like, ouch, right? Like it's uncomfortable. It's not, it's not great. Uh, I don't think I want that life right? Like if I'm, I mean, it's not hard to be like, uh, no thanks. Don't think I want that path. Thank you very much. Uh, no, (laughs) like it's not hard to say that when he puts it that way. I don't want anything to do with that life. So what's the alternative? So again, in the message version, this is verse 22. Paul says this, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity or peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in our heart, a conviction, I love this, a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. Meaning like this this holiness of God is in things and people around us. We become aware of that and we become like convicted of that. Like we know there is holiness in this space. He says we find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. And then he says, legalism is helping, legalism, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. If you sign up for the path of being legalistic about this, it's only going to get in your way. Among those who belong in Christ, among you and me, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed for good and crucified. Meaning like everything that everybody else comes to us and is like, this is so important right now. We, because we're in Christ, get to say, actually, I don't really care about that. That's not that important to me. Like, it's fine. Who cares? Right? Like we get to have a different standard of living. These are the two paths that Paul sets up for us. These are the two paths that Jesus set up for us that Paul is interpreting. There's a way that leads to death 
and there's a way that leads to life and godliness, right? There's a way that leads to death, and there's a way that leads to life. And, and I don't mean to, to make something that, I do, I do mean to do that, so I don't know why I'm saying that. Something that feels like it's not a big deal, like living your life, just kind of going through the motions, feels like it's not that big of a deal sometimes. Because you're just getting through the day. You're just doing the things you have to do. You're checking off the list. You're going to practice. You're exhausted, and you're going home to try to finish your homework and get as much sleep as you can before tomorrow and do it, wake up and do it all again, and then we get to the weekend. Like, there is a path. There is a way that leads to death, and there is a way that leads to life. And I don't know that there's a lot of gray area in between. I think that's what Jesus is saying, and I think that's what Paul is saying. Um, so let me read this same verse to you, verse 22, in the NIV, because this might sound a little more familiar to those who have some experience in church. Verse 22, Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is... I think I'm missing one. There we go. Yeah. So there's a dance in the song, and it's probably a lot of songs. I didn't actually grow up with a lot of the songs. I never watched VeggieTales, and now John is like, Asher's like trying to get them all into VeggieTales, and I'm like, Ugh, I'm sorry. I know it's like beloved. VeggieTales is really cringy to me. Okay. Um, stick to my notes. Okay. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So Paul is really clear about these things. Paul is really clear about this fruit of the Spirit, about what kind of life ha- leads to a good, what about, Paul is really clear about the good life, right? Like which of these options has what in store for you? And so he calls them the fruit of the Spirit. So um, some of you were at camp uh, at new life with me this summer, and so you already know this, Um, but I talked about fruit of the spirit at camp, and I made people put a dollar in a jar. I didn't really, but I pretended to make them put a dollar in a jar anytime they said fruits of the spirit, because the, there's a, there's a really subtle difference in calling them the fruits of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. And here's why it matters. There is, when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, the way that Paul is describing these things, these are things that our life produces when we are rooted and abiding in Christ. So if you think of an apple tree, when an apple tree is healthy and rooted in the soil and growing, what is it going to produce? Apples, right? And so we know that it is an apple tree by its fruit because it is healthy and rooted in the soil and it is growing fruit and producing fruit in the form of apples. So we know it's an apple tree. So for believers, for us as followers of Jesus, How do we know that we are followers of Christ? It is when we are rooted and established in the love of God that our life will produce fruit that looks like God. And so the fruit that we're producing are all of these things are descriptors of the fruit that we're producing. But it's not so much like, oh, I have the fruit of peace, but you don't. 
Or I have the fruit of patience, but you don't, which I don't either. But that's not, that's not how it works, right? And so we can work on certain attributes and characteristics, of course, like me telling you I'm not necessarily a patient person. That's something I do need to work on. So like that's, there is that. But like it's not that, it's not that God is producing this one thing or like I'm better at this one thing than this other thing. No, like the fruit, the fruit that is produced in us, in our lives, in Christ, are these things that Paul is listing. Does that make sense? And so this is how Paul is telling us that we know that the spirit is working itself out in our lives is by the fruit that we produce. And so your life will produce something. And if we've already heard from Jesus and we're hearing this from Paul now, like your life is going to produce something. So which path are you on? There's a path that leads to death and a path that leads to life. Which one is your life going to produce? Where are you rooted? Um, it might sound kind of crazy because the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit working itself out in our lives. And I think if you're not somebody who has maybe been around the church very long, you might be new to this Jesus thing, like spirituality is a deep part of our belief in Jesus, of our, of our faith spirituality is a big part of Christianity. It's more than just this list of things to do and not to do, right? Those of you who are a little more familiar know this to be true, I think, that the Holy Spirit is in this place right now working, allowing us to hear this message and understand it in some miracle, right? Like allowing us to communicate, to commune with God and with each other and to live in this sense of community. Like there is there, like I said, a war happening for your heart in this room right now. And like, we believe that to be true. We don't talk about that a whole lot, but like we believe that to be true. Um, And so it's this way that the spirit works to make us who we were always meant to be taking this sometimes mundane life, sometimes autopilot life, and making it bigger, making it full, giving us the opportunity to live in this world for this period of time that we have, for this day, to be the fullest that it has to offer. Because God created this world and he plans to redeem it. So it's not that the world is just broken and we're just ready to leave it so we can go to heaven and be somewhere else. No, no, no. God's coming back to redeem this earth that he created. And so there is this huge, like we want to be able to live the life that we have, what we have of it, to the full. And that's not going to be every day. Like, I get that not every day you're going to wake up and be like, this is magical. Like, the birds are dressing me like Snow White or whatever. Like, that's not every day. Like, I get that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Do you see that there's, there's a difference in, in a, the spirit working in us and through us every day to produce good fruit in our lives? So, the next two weeks, we're going to talk about that fruit a little more specifically um, but tonight I want you to go to small groups and I want you to talk about these two things. Number one, how do you turn off autopilot? 
Where in your life have you felt it before? Are you feeling it today? How do you turn it off? Number two, how do we choose life with the Spirit? How do you turn off autopilot? How do, you, how do we choose life with the Spirit? Let me pray for you, and we'll go to small groups. God, thank you for... Um, God, thank you for the opportunity to just come together and talk about what it means that your spirit is living and active and in our lives and, and that we are, we are little temples um, walking around on this earth that house pieces of you. Um, that that's what Paul says about us. Like we're temples that get to walk around on this earth and, and house parts of you. And so how do we, how do we take that and how do we claim that and and God just help us as we work these things out together in small group and in um, time with one another just how do how do we figure that out um, Lord we are so grateful for um, a chance to worship you a chance to be together um, for a delicious dinner and uh, time in your house and so we love you Lord um, We lift all of these things up to you. Amen. Here I raise my